don't be afraid. Um, it really is worth it. It is wonderful to be free. You don't have to deal with the thoughts that play you. You know, so many young people are dealing with anxiety. Hey, that's a spirit. That's a demon of fear. You don't have to live like that. Look for people who are doing deliverance. Look for us at Finding Freedom Ministries is our website. We have lots of resources, but other people are doing deliverance too, and you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay in bondage. It's, it's just wonderful. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. My guest, Karen King, has developed a passion for the deliverance ministry, specifically the deliverance from demonic attachment, influence, oppression, plans and schemes that Satan has set against us. It's no secret. God has a plan for your life, and so does Satan. And I do want to pause for a moment and acknowledge some that some Christians don't believe that a Christian should or could have trouble with demonic attachments and influences or oppression, but don't check out. Allow me to humbly submit to you, Job, a man who was tested in every single capacity of life and never sinned against God. As a matter of fact, it was because of Job's faithfulness that God offered him up to Satan, with restrictions, of course. But nonetheless, we see Job go from traumatic emotional pain to physical illness pain to a place where the pain turned inward on himself as he cried out to the God that he believed in. We have that perspective, but we can also acknowledge that we've all been through portions of Job's journey, and I pray not the full journey that Job has experienced, but I suppose that's possible. Our own emotions can become weary unless we isolate ourselves from life and relationship, but isolation is Satan's playground with regard to our mental thought life. So take the time to talk to Holy Spirit and ask him to reveal the various ways that your enemy works against you to steal your mental health, kill your peace of mind, and ultimately destroy you. Even though you remain physically alive, ask Holy Spirit to reveal, and then whatever he reveals, take it captive to Christ. Karen is here to let us know that we can find freedom from anguish and confusion, depression, anxiety, all the ways that we suffer when Satan goes undetected and therefore runs rampant in our thought life, our internal dialogue. Times when we allow negative thoughts and experiences to overwhelm us to the point that we live in fear and cannot find any peace. We lay awake at night. Certain patterns run through our minds. We're in constant survival mode, never confident about which way to turn or what the right answer is. 
mental health is simply one way that Satan works against us. And Karen feels that stored emotions in her body from a 20-year abusive marriage contributed to two cancer diagnoses that she's received. But it has only fueled her desire to stand on God's word and experience what it means when we read in the Holy Bible that by his stripes, his wounds, we are healed. He paid the price for our healing, be it mental, physical, emotional, with every drop of his son's blood. So I'm confident that the blood he invested is a clear indication that healing is for everyone. In other words, God wants a return on this most precious, his most precious investment. And not only does Karen participate in the deliverance ministry by assisting people to be set free by the power of Christ, but she herself has benefited greatly by also allowing others in the deliverance ministry to break off demonic influences that she's experienced. Additionally, she's taken the time to investigate in what ways that she's allowed Satan to have access to her. Because when she finds the points of access, she exercises the power and authority of Christ's work on the cross, and she shuts down the strong man and his structured kingdom for bidding any division and casting them all into the pit of hell where they came from. Another way that Satan finds an access point, and then we'll get uh, to the conversation with Karen, is when the uncertainty of life hits us, it creates an environment that is rich with regard to questioning God's goodness, which in turn causes us to question God's love for us and his intentions. Questioning God in the midst of pain is normal. It's expected. But it is an opportune time for Satan to attach himself to our pain, flood us with past pain that lines up with our current situation, with the purpose of driving a wedge between our heart and God's heart. Satan wants us to lose our footing on the truth that we already know about God. Satan wants us to define God based on our pain and fear. So he attacks us in our most vulnerable places. Our weakest moments are the perfect time for him to slay us. And again, he doesn't necessarily want to kill us physically, but rather slay us emotionally and mentally. I can only imagine the daily celebration we afford him when we are alive yet dead inside. And really, what kind of Christian testimony is that to the world, especially when we've been given authority over our enemy and the freedom? in his face, despite the existence of evil in this life. Take that, Satan. Let's get started so we can hear all that Karen has to share. I want to welcome a strong woman of God, a woman who's able to discern God's leading, his voice, and his wisdom. It's a pleasure to have you here, Karen. Welcome. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. I want to jump right into your story, and I especially want to get to the part where we take a look at the deliverance ministry portion Mm -hmm. of your cancer journey. And you've had to walk through cancer twice, that dark valley twice. Share with us about the first one. How old were you and what was this diagnosis? Where did it come from? Do you know? Well, so in 2019, late in 2019, I had the first diagnosis, and it was after weeks and weeks of trying to figure out where my shoulder pain was coming from. I had been playing volleyball with my kids, felt something tear, I thought. And I thought, well, I hurt my rotator cuff and went to a sports medicine doctor and he could not figure it out until he ran a CT scan and he unhappily told me, you have multiple myeloma. So multiple myeloma is a plasma cancer. And what it does is it 
um, invades instead of your bone being able to recreate bone, it takes over the bones. And a lot of people don't figure it out until they've had a break of some sort, which is what happened to me. So I had a broken clavicle or actually two broken clavicles, a broken sternum. And, and I knew I was feeling terrible. That set me on a journey. I had to find an oncologist and get get going on treatment. What were some of your first questions for God? Because cancer is very scary. It is very scary. Thankfully, you know, he, he was with me every step of the way because my first interaction with a doctor was a friend of my dad's. He lives in Georgia. He is a specialist in oncology. And he, before I could get in to see my local oncologist, he called me and, and just started to encourage me. In fact, he even wrote a book on hope for cancer patients. And he's not wow. even a Christian. Wow. So it, he's an amazing man. So he said that this is this is treatable. This is doable. You'll have a good life. There is hope. And that really set the pace for me that, that there was hope. And so that was my first step. I totally believe that God paid for our healing. Jesus paid for our healing. I don't believe in any situation, and I truly believe this, that he won't heal and he's not willing to heal. My own theory is that he paid the price. He, he paid in every way, spirit, soul, and body. And if we're not healed, there's something in us blocking the healing. That's my premise. That's my belief deep down. So I knew that once I got diagnosed, I had to take a look at where those open doors were. That's so wise because God's created us mind, body, spirit. Yes. We have a soul and all of these places need to be looked at and inspected. Absolutely. Absolutely. What did that, how did that look for you when you start to look at these open doors? Yeah. So I know spiritually, you know, I'm saved, totally sold out to the Lord. I've told people, Holy Spirit's my best friend. So I knew that part was covered. Physically, I actually eat very healthy. I juice, I, you know, milk my own flour and, you know, really eat pretty healthy, almost no sugar at all. So I thought, okay, so it's probably not my lifestyle. It's not my eating, but it could be emotions. And that's where I thought, well, I've made such progress, but I think there were deeper roots that were there. Plus, you know, I had a dysfunctional marriage for 20 years. It was very traumatic. And, you know, you grow up as a kid and you have the normal stresses, but parents, I'm a firstborn, so I probably shouldered a lot of that. So I think years of stress, and I am not one that verbalizes things much. I tend to internalize them. And I think that's really part of what happened. I just swallowed. I always was a worshiper. I always thought, oh, that's good. I'm good with God. But if you don't deal with the trauma on the inside, it continues to fester and it continues to play a role in your physical body. And I believe that's where those open doors were. I can agree with you. As I'm learning how the body holds trauma, what it does to the body, Mm -hmm. the longer you hold it. And especially if you're someone who does stuff things down and the older you get, or at least this was my reasoning is that, you know, I would tell myself in my mind, I could make sense of it. Like Sherry, you don't always get people like you want them. You just have to meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you don't always get what you want. Your dreams, sometimes they just don't Mm -hmm. come about. Things happen, life changes, just go with it. And yet that's really not the way to treat trauma. It's not the way to do it at all. 
So when you were diagnosed the second time, did that undermine your belief that God does heal or were you more introspective about, oh, wait, yeah, I, trauma? I, 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 oh, you know, I know God is good. I just know it's, but I had gone through a very difficult emotional time leading up to that second time. And I was hurting badly emotionally. And so when the numbers started creeping up, it, I guess it just wasn't a surprise. I knew I was just really struggling. So I did have end up having a fracture in my spine, but really before too much damage was done, the doctors caught it and we started treatment again. So you believe that second bout of cancer came because of the overwhelming yeah. physical, well, emotional pain. Emotional. It was emotional pain for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. It was and a betrayal then, of sorts uh, that took me by surprise. Mm. And, but I think looking back, I had done a lot of work emotionally, but I think what happened is it attached to that root and that's where the deliverance comes in. And, and that's where we need people because, you know, you can't figure it all out yourself, but I have friends who I'm connected with in the deliverance ministry. And they looked at me and said, I see this. I see a spirit of death. That was the first thing they took authority over. And I'm telling you, I was walking into the room and in my head, I was saying to myself, I feel like my body's breaking. I feel like my body's breaking. And after they broke that spirit of death and cast that out and they cast out that cancer, that spiritual access, mm. that day I felt a turnaround. Yeah. And then later on, there was one more piece. I had asked the Lord, okay, I'm still hurting what's going on. And I heard him say trauma. So I went back to my friends and I said, hey, this is what God said to me. And they looked at me and they said, that's the strong man. That's the strong man that's been over your life. And they said, can, can we pray? I said, absolutely. So they prayed. No, they didn't just pray. They went into deliverance mode. They broke the power of that spirit of trauma. They took authority over it. They commanded it to put my house back in order and they cast it into the pit in Jesus name. And that's the key right there. From that day forward, I didn't have the grief that I was having. Everything lightened up in my life. Now I still had times where the thoughts would come to me, but I'd have to just, like you said, take authority over them, reconcile them, do the forgiveness. You got to walk through forgiveness multiple times because of the people that hurt you. You know, that it's still a memory, but everything turned around that day. That's incredible. So one of the things that I've realized, and I wish I would have caught on to it earlier, the younger I had been, I would have, yeah. it just seems like it would have been a whole lot more powerful. And that is powerful in my life. Uh -huh. And that is the understanding or coming to the understanding. And I'm not sure that I have a full understanding, but the power of prayer, God has not given us any sort of control over our life other than say our choices yeah. or reactions and things like that. But we don't have control over people or circumstances, right. but power, prayer, the power of prayer. Oh my gosh. That's where the Lord has given us control to take authority. Yeah. What is your take on prayer? The okay, authority so, of it, the supremacy of it. Yeah. So, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. And that sounds like an impossibility, right? We got to go to work. We got to Care, care for our kids. But to me, prayer means intimacy with God, hanging out with him, enjoying his presence, his fellowship, having an open dialogue. That's what I think that means. He's, you know, Holy Spirit, like I said, has become my best friend. 
So I have an open dialogue throughout the day. And, and I have fun with him, but I also have prayer requests for him. And I ask him to speak to me. How would you like my day to go? What would you like me to do? Order my steps. I want to follow you. So everything comes through him first in that place of connection with him first. And then you do what you need to do. Sometimes he'll have you pause and go close yourself in a room. But sometimes he just walks with you through the grocery store. So that to me is what pray without ceasing means. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place of allowing Holy Spirit to direct me and to show me and to speak to me. And, and sometimes it's reading the word. Sometimes it's worship. Sometimes it's sitting outside. There are many different ways, but prayer is connection with God, in my opinion. I think that's where, I, when I think about the power of it, is that it gets you through the gate, Jesus, yeah. I guess, into the yeah. heart of God. I don't care whether your emotions are off the chart or you're inappropriate or ungodly or whatever, yes. but it's a safe place to struggle. It's a safe place to question. It's a yeah. safe place to be human. God yeah. makes it safe to be human. Yeah. And that's what I love about that intimacy of prayer. But then there's deliverance prayer, which I think is a lot more authority. Maybe there's, yes. there's definitely the reason I'm so interested in the deliverance ministry is because I don't understand a lot of it, a lot mm -hmm. about it. I I see it. I love it. I believe it, but I don't understand a lot about it. So that's one of the reasons why I am interested in this topic with you and to see the difference that it's made in your life. Mm -hmm. When I think about us as human beings, it seems like, and maybe it's my age, is that everyone has some work to do based Absolutely. on trauma, stress, pain, things that have affected their life. And because people receive different things in different ways, like for instance, what might not be painful to you might devastate me. Mm -hmm. So I think that also speaks to the fact that everyone's got some work to do. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. The, the way we do it now is almost systematic. We have paperwork where we kind of go through a list of many common demons and things, because you're right. Everybody has different stressors, different open doors. We go through different things, but the demons aren't all that different. It's just maybe the way they came in. Now, a lot of times it, the enemy comes after us as children, and then we live with those, and the, those kingdoms we continue to build till you get to almost a, a point in as an adult. If you're a Christian, you're like, God, what's going on? You know. And so that's the importance of deliverance is you get rid of the demonic attacks that came from childhood on up um, because they, they come in through soul wounds. Mm -hmm. So like you said, through the different traumas of life, they come in through soul wounds. The soul wounds is basically you're wounded by something, but it brings in an unbelief. It brings in a wrong mindset and the enemy builds on that wrong mindset, such as when my parents divorce, you feel like you're abandoned. Well, I wasn't really abandoned, but that's the message I got. So what happens is those spirits come in and, and offer you a lie and you believe it as a child because you don't have the ability to reason and refute as a, as a kid. Mm. So those come in and then you live your whole life struggling and battling feelings of rejection, abandonment, and even an orphan spirit. So those continue to build and, and the enemy will keep heaping on opportunities for you to believe that lie and keep sending the demonic to destroy you. So you've got to go through and, of course, you forgive. That's the most important thing. You forgive, you know, your parents for being imperfect, you know, for go, for the divorce or whatever. And then you recognize, and a lot of times with the help of somebody else, what came in at that point. And you can tell by your thoughts 
when they're not lining up with the word and they're not lining up with God's character of perfect love, then you know you're off. It's not God's thought. It's not truth. So that gives us kind of a direction of what needs to be cast out. So you do all the, the legal work, breaking agreement, forgiving, and then you have authority because God gave us authority over demons on the earth realm. And so we command them to go. And for us personally, we, we command the enemy to put the house in order because the Bible talks about they come in, in into the house. So we command the demons to put the house in order and then we send them to the pit in Jesus name. That's a lifestyle we live now. We recognize that if we're having thoughts that are not of God, okay, what's what's harassing me today? Now, the difference is, and I don't know, you know, everybody may not believe this way, but we believe that there are some in the soul realm, but then they also come from the outside and they watch for an open door, such as anger or more trauma, and they wait. And so if you know that you're being offered the opportunity to accept those lies again, you know you got to take authority and tell it to go. So daily, we break curses, and then we say, everything evil on the outside of me, I command you to go to the pit in Jesus' name, so that they don't have access to you again. And that's kind of the lifestyle we live now. That is a power position of freedom Mm -hmm. found in Christ. He paid the price, and he gave us authority. And the word talks about how when Jesus was on the earth, he cast out demons and then healed the people. So they're connected. Yeah. Thinking about how beautiful that is. Like yeah. we have that. That's we have ours. Yeah. Yes. And it's nothing to be afraid of. I think a lot of people are fearful when you bring up the word demons. Hey, they're real. They are real. Just because we don't want to talk about them doesn't mean they're not there. And they do attach themselves to your traumas and the different ways yeah, that you uh, experience this world. And, and you're right. They wait for opportunities. Yeah. What does it say about him walking around looking for whom he can devour? That's right. That's right. And so what are some of the stigmas with deliverance ministry? I know I have my own when I think about it, but like, what are the common stigmas? I think the that? biggest one is Christians can't have demons. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. But I, they say, well, Christian can't have a demon. Well, you can't be possessed by a demon if you've given your life to Jesus because that awakens your spirit man. But I think what they're neglecting is the fact that we have a soul too. Why else would the Bible say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Mm -hmm. Well, if you've already been saved, why do you have to work things out? I believe that they're talking about the soul soul realm. So Christians can't have a demon. Well, if you've seen any Christians, you know they don't always act like, Jesus's kids, right? So what's the influence? Why why do you have people being ugly? Why do you have people in in sin? Why do you have people, you know, not succeeding in life? It's because of that facet of things. They're being oppressed by demons or demonized, and they need to look at that part of their lives so that, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you still need healing and deliverance. I agree because as much as I love the Lord, I had things and past traumas that were still hanging around. And I really felt like I should be over this because I am a Christian, because God loves me, because he makes all things new, because he heals. I believe that why couldn't I get over some of this stuff? Why were some of my survival skills still present and causing me grief? And yet when I went into the type of deliverance that I chose, which is emotion code, and it really set me free of bringing these 
traumas to the surface yeah. and looking at individual emotions and then asking Holy Spirit to remove them. Yeah. And that is somebody that I want to connect you up with eventually would be Eileen Love, who does the emotion code in a Christian perspective. Mm-hmm. One of the things that she pointed out that I thought was really interesting, and because you uh, also believe that that body holds trauma and that it, it needs yeah. to be looked at individually and, and set free. But she even made the point of that you know, as Christians, we believe that life starts at conception. Mm-hmm. So she said, Sherry, you know, as you're growing in your mother's womb, you're susceptible to anything that she is traumatized by. Yeah. Those hormones are downloaded, you know, all these things that this infant is experiencing until the day they're born. She said, and yeah. literally we are nine months old by the time we're born. Absolutely. And so she said, you have experienced things in the womb that is traumatic. And then I had to look at what I knew at, well, once I got older, I knew what was going on in my family mm-hmm. when I was conceived and when I was born. And I thought that was a lot of trauma going on. Wow. I'm sure that I had access to all that trauma in uterine. Yeah. And so that's even worth taking a look at because Absolutely. God can reach those places. Yes. God knows those places. He has access to them. Yes. And well, he wants and- to heal you. Absolutely. And you got to think about um, generational curses, all those things that are passed down through the generations that have not been dealt with come right to you. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you're right. You've got the, what could happen to the mother carrying the baby, what's spoken over, you know, even if the mom says, boy, that was a surprise. I'm not sure I'm ready for this child. We right there is a, can open the door to a spirit of rejection. So you've got generational curses and you're right. Everything that happens in utero Yep. And that God can heal it. Absolutely. Those things can be broken off and you can be delivered. That's right. Was there any other stigmas that you can think of that are associated with deliverance ministry that keeps people from seeking that sort of freedom? I think really just the next biggest thing would be fear of what I think people have things that they've done that they're ashamed of. And right there's a spirit of shame. They don't want to be uncovered. I also think that they've seen things on TV where people manifest and slither around on the ground and foam at the mouth. That doesn't have to happen. There are ways that you can command the demons not to manifest, and we do that. Mm -hmm. So really, when we do deliverance, we're sitting on a couch and we say, hey, if you need to stop, take a drink, you know, and it's just almost like a meeting. And it's we have people that manifest, but it's very subtle. They might blink their eyes a lot or they might cough, but that's just those demons getting stirred up a bit. And we've had, we have some that say, oh, I've got a tightness in my chest. We say, yep, those demons are getting nervous and they know they're about to be kicked out, but it's nothing to be afraid of because it's not an embarrassing situation. It's not a shameful situation. Every one of us has done things that we aren't proud of, but we also have to recognize the influence of the demons in our lives has pushed us in that direction. So to be willing to sit in a deliverance session and get free is a great thing. And I, I applaud anyone who's willing to be brave enough to do it. Yeah. To have the courage to step forward and not worry about the world and what people yeah. are thinking and go for that freedom for themselves. Absolutely. That's a whole new way of living, of, of peace and that, that peace that surpasses understanding and the joy despite past. Yes. And every one of every one of that we've done deliverance on, they say, oh, I feel lighter. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful. I mean, you don't realize the things that you carry until you get rid of them. And then you say, oh, I feel so much freer. I feel so much lighter. So it's, yeah. it's worth it. I'm on two social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, and I have seen some crazy stuff 
that is not, even when you look at it, I'm like, that is not God. That is not godly. That is not God doing any deliverance in that situation. So I see where you would come up against authentic deliverance ministry based on some of these visuals that are happening in churches. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If the images that I have seen lately were the only things I knew about deliverance ministry, I I wouldn't go. I'll be honest with you. Right. You wouldn't catch me asking for deliverance. Yep. Mm -hmm. But I, but I love that that's not how it is. Not the true. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm -mm. Especially if you're willing, if your heart is postured to want freedom and to just release things, I think it just goes so smoothly. All right. So let's go back to this system you were talking about. Forgive, recognize, and there was a couple of other steps. Let's talk about that. Let's break that down. When we do deliverance, there's usually at least two of us. Uh, along with the um, person wanting to get delivered. And we usually work with them. We usually have them fill out the form. What do they deal with? What do they think um, is troubling them? You know, there are things like um, Freemasonry Mm -hmm. that cause a lot of health issues. So we ask those questions. They answer them as best they can. And then we meet with them. We have a little discussion about, you know, what, what they're dealing with, what they think is going on or what are some behaviors and all those kind of give us clues to what might be um, there. And when you say Freemasonry, that's the Freemasons. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, Because they have a whole ritual where they indoctrinate you into their, they'll tell you that you can have any God you want, but there is a whole blood sacrifice ritual where you agree to their standards. Yeah. It gives legal right to the enemy. And a lot of times those signs when people have trouble breathing or feel like they're suffocating, those are all from Freemasonry spirit. Wow. Those oaths. So, yeah, so we have learned, and there are other people, obviously, who have ministries that we've learned from. Don, Don Dickerman is one. And so we learn what, what their symptoms are and what that could be. So we go, work together to try to lay all that out and make a list. And then once we have them forgive everyone they can think of, who might have hurt them or who they might be offended with. And there's also something called soul ties. Now, soul ties can be if you've had a sexual relationship with someone outside of marriage, but it also could be an emotional connection that is not healthy. So if you are a teenager and you find a boyfriend and all of a sudden he becomes your source, you are connected to him and you're basically it becomes an idol in in a sense because you're looking for him to to meet your your needs and and there becomes an almost an unhealthy connection that's called a soul tie so we always make sure that we break any soul tie that because that gives legal right to the enemy also Mm. so it can even be parents and you and a lot of people are confused at first they say well we're supposed to love our parents yes yes we are supposed to love our parents but god always comes first So anyway, so we do that preliminary work of the forgiveness, the soul ties, and then we we know where we're going and we do a prayer that in a declaration, we take authority over the atmosphere, the room, our bodies, and we say the only voice we can hear. In fact, we also take authority over false Holy Spirit. That's a whole nother thing that uh, a lot of Christians don't know. You can think you're hearing the voice of God and sometimes it's false Holy Spirit or false gifts. So we take authority over all of that. So that we can just have such a a clean atmosphere, I guess you could say. And we start um, going from the top and we we command things to go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the person can see things because we also say, hey, 
you know, do you operate in the gifts? Have you ever heard God? So you'll be, you might be able to hear the demons. And I'm telling you the funniest stories come out of this because one person said when we told the demon to clean up her house, she could see little brooms being swept. I mean, some people see U-Haul trucks with their bags being packed and taken out. It's really quite humorous at times. So um, they can see and we all partner together. And by the time we get through that list, we've made a um, person a lot lighter and a lot freer. And again, we don't always get everything and life happens. So it's a continual process. But once somebody has gone through deliverance, um, they know what it takes. And then we also have our website, which has all kinds of um, free resources. People go look at and say, okay, what was that she said? Or what, you know, how do I do this again? So people can maintain their deliverance. That's a nice tool to have. Cause I know for me, and I don't know if this happens to everyone. Well, it probably doesn't because God can do supernatural things in one gesture, one glance, yes, one word. Sure. But for me, God heals me in layers. And so I would say not to be afraid to go back for deliverance again and again, because you can have a breakthrough and you can get to a newer level of peace or a newer level of freedom, but then something else triggers you in a way. And you're like, oh, wait, I still have a little work to do in that area because I shouldn't have responded that way. So deliverance maybe even in layers. So I think that's a good thing to be open to. Also, uh, in this time, we are seeing a lot of young people getting involved in witchcraft. And I mean witchcraft, not like the Bible says, you know, control, manipulation, intimidation are the sins of witchcraft, but the occult yeah, where they're ca- wanting to cast spells. Look at everything that's on TV and on the movies and on the Disney Channel, whatever. These kids are learning and wanting to learn how to cast spells. Mm-hmm. That's a whole level of stuff they shouldn't be involved in. And it does bring in the demonic, even, mo- even some movies. So yeah. they need to be made aware of that. And then you, their behavior has changed because of that demonic influence. I even think that Harry Potter, that spell casting, that's things that of the demonic, if you ask yeah, me. And I have Christian friends who follow him or I got that Her. it's him, right? Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, I think the, the author's a she, yes, but she, yes, yeah. Harry Potter's he. Yeah. Yeah. I just sold out for Harry Potter. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Not for me, granted. I don't judge anybody, but I look at I the agree. health issues in that family and I'm like, I mean, it might be worth taking a look mm-hmm. at. You know? mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So let's see. All right. Where we were talking about the the different ways or the, of the process of deliverance and what that might look like under a normal, because I'm sure if Holy Spirit moves in a different way, you're open to that spirit. Absolutely. But there's a, but there is a process too. I've been involved in deliverance and the prophetic for many years in my life. And so I have done deliverance based on just what God's showing me or under the prophetic anointing. But this way, it, it, it's more systematic. And to me, it's more thorough. Mm-hmm. So you can cast a demon out that's manifesting. Or if, if um, you can see somebody hurting, you can cast a demon out right then and there at the altar at church or whatever. Um, but if you want to go through a whole deliverance, it's good to, to do it this way, in my opinion, because it catches a lot of things that you might not be aware of. A minute ago, you mentioned the false Holy Spirit. Yes. There's something going around right now. There's a man who is, in my opinion, very convinced that he saw Jesus. The clip that's shown, a believer would think, oh, he saw the Lord. And so they they limit this clip. But apparently later on, it proves out that no, he had a vision. He had an experience, but it was not the God of the Holy Bible. And so that was very convincing. And yet 
you needed to follow that through to see exactly what yeah. he had actually experienced. Yeah. So, yeah. so a lot of Christians are not aware of false Holy Spirit, false gifts and false tongues. Oh, so, false tongues. Prophet yeah. lion. Yeah. Versus yeah. prophesying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's interesting too. Can you talk about that? I'm not sure. I would. Yeah. I, I experienced it and didn't know what it was until recently and over the last few years. It sounds like it could be a good tongue, but there's something that grates on your spirit when, when you hear it. You're like, oh, I can't stand that. And you're thinking of yourself, Karen, it's tongues. But then I learned there are false tongues. So it, it will grate on your spirit. And the enemy uses it to, to speak out curses over somebody. So I experienced that firsthand. Somebody was laying hands on me and praying over me, and I could not stand it. I was in agony. My body was hurting. Uh, it was it was awful. And later I realized it was it was false tongue. So it's I guess it's always important. Just like I said, I start my day just aligning with God, commanding those things to go. Even false Holy Spirit, false tongues, false gifts. I command that to go every day. Anytime we're going to get into ministry, we do that to make sure that what we're here is is truly from God. I would love if you would share the areas that you touch on in your prayer, because I would love for somebody to be able to create that in their own life because there's a lack of knowledge about what you're doing and the effectiveness of it. I wonder if your word for word prayer would be helpful or just a checklist of these areas that they need to craft their own personal intimate prayer with the Lord. To make those declarations in the beginning, we take authority over any demonic thing that would come in influence. We take authority over the atmosphere. So one of the first things we hit is blocking and hindering demons. Sometimes people can't hear because there are blocking and hindering demons. So we go through our list. We say in the name of Jesus, we command every blocking and hindering demon to leave right now in the name of Jesus. We command you to go straight to the pit. And everybody does have their own way, but we feel it's important to command them to go straight to the pit. You don't want to just cast them off and they're and they're still hanging around or they're still looking, going to look for another way to get in. Right. So we always say in the name of Jesus, we command you to go straight to the pit. And we also say, we learned that through the Don Dickerman ministry, we say you take your works and your associated works and every associated demon because we found and we learned and I learned that they set up kingdoms. So you've got a strong man and then you have a hierarchy of demons underneath them. So the longer they're there, the more they build a kingdom and it's it's got rankings. And so we command the whole group to go. So we take authority over that strong man. We command all the other demons to be welded or joined to that strong man and then we cast that strong man out and any anything that they've left behind that would injure the body we command that to be taken to in Jesus name so it's kind of a it's kind of a intricate thing but it's effective yeah, yeah because i isn't it luke 11:26 as i looked it up before we had a conversation then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked yes. than itself and they go in and live there and the final That's condition right. of that person is worse than worse. the first so, which brings to mind something else. A lot of times people think they've given their lives to the Lord. And when we start, because we don't want to do deliverance over anyone who isn't saved because of that very scripture. If if you're not filled with Holy Spirit, if you're not filled back up, yes, you you could be, and that's happened. People will say, yes, I'm saved. So now we make sure that we say, okay, tell us about your um, salvation experience. 
tell us about your walk with the Lord. Are you active in church? Are you willing to keep this up? Are you willing to live a life that's clean, as clean as possible, so that you don't end up worse than you were before? So you're right. That's very important. So there have been many times that we've led people to the Lord. And sometimes people have an experience with Jesus, but they haven't fully submitted their lives to Jesus. And that makes the deliverance challenging, actually. Are you talking about people who kind of fall between the crack of making God their salvation, but yet not their Lord? Absolutely. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense, too, because you don't really know him. You don't know that intimacy. That's right. And it gives the enemy access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you want to talk about pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. I mean, even those of us who know the word, we can get tripped up. But mm-hmm. for somebody who doesn't know the word, yeah. then they can be led around by their nose, by their hair, whatever, exactly. which way he's dragging them every every direction. Exactly. There's work at life in general. There's work at staying healthy. I mean, what's that saying? I've heard people say it's hard to be unhealthy. It's hard to be healthy. Pick yeah. your, you know, choose your, your heart. heart. I yeah. love that. It's yeah. so true because I probably was that person that didn't want to face things, didn't want to be afraid. I mean, fear was another issue I had all growing up because, you know, when you're the firstborn and your mom has to go to work and your dad doesn't live there anymore, all of a sudden you feel that it's all on you and you better take care of everything, you know, and there's a lot of fear that comes with that. So I dealt with fear my whole life yeah. until, until of course I got delivered, but you're right. Choose your heart. If you, if you don't face things, they don't go away. Yeah. Right. So choose the hard way of facing things of walking the walk. Hey, it's much more fun to be going through hard seasons with God than that. not. So yeah, choose your yeah. heart. God makes the that valley of death very beautiful in the sense that it's his presence. Yeah. It's revelation, it's companionship. Yeah. I don't know about you between your cancer diagnosis meaning when the second time it came back those emotions that the body was harboring, but when I went through the death of my husband and when I was standing in that pain, everything that Satan has ever attached himself to along my way showed up in that moment and there's just this hot mess of tangled whatever emotions. And so I don't, do you find that people sometimes when they come for one thing, that there are actually many things going on? Absolutely. Absolutely. They may come because they're dealing with depression, Uh but they may have a whole lot more going on, but Hey, that's okay. Because we do need each other. Yeah. And if you can find people you trust and that can hear God, they can help you. They can help you see what you don't see. And I think when you just said that, it reminds me that the body of Christ has been given different gifts. For me, I'm not that intuitive. I'm not saying that I can't be. If I'm a believer, maybe God, maybe that's something I grow into, but mm-hmm. it's not something that I identify with. I'm not intuitive in the fact, like reading somebody's body language, discerning what they're really saying. I've seen videos where there's a a pastor praying over a family and the young boy starts distorting. Like, so the pastor mm-hmm. picks up on the fact that there is some demon possession mm-hmm. in this boy. Then all he does is walk over and cast it out. It's not a big thing, but you can see that there's yeah. this demon. He is not comfortable, nor is he happy with what is being spoken over him <laughs> right. and his family. Right. It doesn't have to be that difficult. Because God's, God's not into disrespecting us, embarrassing us, or belittling no. us. That's no. not him. He is kind. He is gentle. And but he is the sole match for anything demonic, meaning they will answer to him under situations like that. They have no other choice. They have no other choice. And he gave all authority to us in that realm, too. So 
you know, it's a greater things shall we do. What is the most rewarding thing for you about the deliverance ministry? Seeing people free. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, it's I because I know what it did for me. You know, I was going down one road and I felt that death and and now I feel free and I'm still walking out my healing. My numbers are good. You know, I'm, in, I'm, I'm doing well, but but it's not like it was before. Do you ever fear that it will come back? Yeah, those thoughts do come. I used to be more fearful about that. But, you know, if I take authority spiritually and I keep growing emotionally and keep walking with God emotionally, I, you know, the chances are less and less. If it does come back, God's got me, you know, but I just, whenever anybody says it, it will come back or, you know, it's never leaving, I just, most of the time I wait till they're gone. I say, oh no, I break that curse into I will not receive that. So it's just a faith walk. Amen. Yeah. Faith walk. But the nice thing is that, you know, you're not alone in that whole process, right? You're not going through it alone. And I love that about God because he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Yeah. And that means in every situation. And one of the beautiful things about God is that he enters into these painful places. He's not afraid of it. He's not put off by it. He enters in with authority, with love, with kindness. And for me, that made all the difference in the world. For sure. For sure. He's a good God. And and I think that's the most important thing to remember. He is good. And so even when life hits us, it's not his orchestration, but he will walk with us. Yeah. When you think about Psalm 23, because that's so instrumental in standing, for me, standing on that foundation as that boat is rocking and that valley gets really dark and just life and uncertainty. I think that that's hard for me because mm-hmm. I have a tendency to want to control things based on my childhood and I want to control situations and circumstances, but I have learned there's no control, but uncertainty, that is a hard thing to live with. Does Psalm 23 speak to you in any particular way about your journey through that dark valley? You know, Psalm 23 is special to me. I memorize it as a two-year-old. Yeah. So I can remember that every part of Psalm 23 but I guess it always speaks to me of intimacy and in his closeness and his protection and in rest. You know, that is something that I learned later on in life, that he wants us to not only rest our bodies, but to stay in a place of rest. So that that's probably the biggest thing that stays out, you know, lead me beside still waters. He talks about your soul in that you know, in those scriptures. So yeah, I I love the fact that he gives us permission to stay in a place of rest and to rest our bodies too. So yeah, I love love Psalm 23. Rest is a command by God. I never knew that until a couple of years ago. And I didn't understand, like you're saying, the difference between, yeah, your body needs rest, it needs sleep, but to actually rest in the Lord. And what a rebuilding time that is. And it doesn't really make any sense. You're just resting in his presence, but you come back refreshed. Well, I think what I learned, and because this was a big lesson for me, I was a single parent of seven children for many years, and I didn't think I could rest. There was never an end to my duties, and I had to try to, you know, make things happen. But really, rest is trusting God to pick up the slack and to provide even when you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to make ends meet. That's not rest. So rest not only refreshes our soul, rebuilds our body, but it puts God in a place of God again. 
again, with God, he turns everything upside down for us because rest does not say that you're accomplishing anything, not in our economy, but in God's economy, rest is everything as far as being able to regroup, get clarity, go again, be refreshed. For sure. Yeah. That's why it takes time. So glad he gives us permission to do that. Man, I needed that. Yeah. That's why it sends to to spend some time with God because these are the things you learn about his nature. He's a good father. Earlier, I asked you, what was your most rewarding thing about your deliverance ministry? What has been or what is the most heartbreaking thing about deliverance ministry? Well, the opposite of of what was the most satisfying is seeing people, seeing people not believe, seeing people not want to be transparent enough to get free, seeing people bash deliverance. You know, you have a lot of denominations who don't believe in the gifts and they surely don't believe in deliverance. God let them see that we are one and that they are one, even as we are one. And it's really a challenge. I feel like when people aren't on the same page, now they don't have to believe everything we believe exactly, but if they absolutely do not believe that Holy Spirit is here and that, that, that there are miracles for today and that there's deliverance for today and they really, it's really a division in the body that actually is very grieving to me. And it's almost like, yeah, I can love you, but we're definitely not on the same page if you don't believe God can deliver us and set us free and heal our bodies. Why not go for that? I wonder what they're worried about. Maybe they think they're entertaining demons in that sense, but if that's so, why not come for the deliverance from a demon? Because they have a religious spirit, have a religious demon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, (laughs) then demons will rob you from every level. Yeah, and they're subtle. Yeah. When you... Reflect on your cancer journeys. What do you think God wanted to show or teach or reveal to you? Or did he reveal something different in each situation? Because I know he always wants to reveal his heart. Can you think of any one example that he might have revealed to you? I think you're right. I think one of the biggest messages for me personally is I'm not a distant God. I'm with you. And so he... Um, helped me in the small ways. Like I can remember having to crawl to the bathroom because my back had given out. I didn't know what was going on. And yet I had broken clavicles. And I just said, Jesus, I help me. And I was in alone. And sure enough, I had enough strength to get going. And, and I know it doesn't sound little necessarily, but it was. It was just a small moment. I cried out to him and he helped me. And just little things from the little to the believing for the big. He's he's intimate. He's close. And I think as much as much room as we're willing to give him, he will fill. Mm-hmm. So we can envision him as a distant God and he'll be that distant God. But he really wants to be closer. And I think because of the way I grew up and the way you know, my dad loves me. I know that. But that whole deliverance thing as a child makes you think, again, that you don't have a covering, that you don't have a, a father that's protecting you. And so to learn that in these hard times is something I would never trade. I would never trade that part. I have heard that so many times when you've gone through something deep and painful with God. What you come out with on the other side is nothing you would trade. Yeah. But sadly, we won't know what we know unless yeah. we go through that with him because yeah. we can go through I, it alone. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't feel like he's the author of those things. 
I just feel like life is happening. And if you don't have a revelation of something that you can refute the enemy's lies with, I, I believe it gives access to the enemy. And God says, okay, let's walk through this. Let me show you who I am. And yeah, I love that part of it. Yeah, I don't, sure, I don't want to walk through it. You know, I don't want to walk through cancer. Nobody does. But I think the thing that you said, you know, the uncertainty, but the, that one thing I know, he will be there and he will walk with me in the little things, the little things he will help me with, even the big things, but the little things, the day to day, the little needs, he's there. I'm going to share this again on this audio recording because of the people who might get the chance to listen to it that have not listened to any of my other ones. But when I cried out to God with my deep questions and I bombarded him with questions of trying to make sense of my pain, trying to understand what had happened. And all God wanted to do was give me a revelation. I was pelting him with questions, but he had a revelation for me. And in that revelation, he said, he spoke to me and I don't hear audible words. I, the best I can say is it down, it's downloaded in my yeah. spirit. And he said, yeah. Sherry, I don't care what this world tries to do to you, label you with strap on your neck or burden you with. You keep your eyes on me because I'm writing a much bigger love story with you as the individual I created you to be. And so that knowing that yeah. no matter what this brokenness in this life, this painful place had to dish out, I would not go through it alone. Yeah. That was everything to me. Yeah. yeah. Everything to me. Yeah. And then you I, will come out the other side. Yeah. There is good to come. Yeah. I think that's helpful too. Yeah, it is. That is good. That is good. Cause it gives you hope for another day. If our listener can only remember one thing, like we've talked about a lot of different things, but they can only remember one thing about the deliverance ministry. What is it that you want them to remember? Don't be afraid. Um, it really is worth it. It is wonderful to be free. You don't have to deal with the thoughts that plague you. You know, so many young people are dealing with anxiety. Hey, that's a spirit. That's a demon of fear. You don't have to live like that. Look for people who are doing deliverance. Look for us at Finding Freedom Ministries is our website. We have lots of resources, but other people are doing deliverance too, and you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay in bondage. It's, it's just wonderful. When a person is looking for a deliverance ministry, what do they need to be aware of? Maybe what do they need to look for in order to make sure it is God-centered? Or what do they need to look for that indicates, okay, these are red flags? Fruit, I think, would probably be one of the most important things. Maybe maybe talk to somebody who's had deliverance and had a good experience and is, has fruit in their lives because of deliverance ministry. That would be the, be the most important thing. So if they were looking at, say, your your ministry mm -hmm. and is which is finding freedom ministries, finding freedom ministries. And so they could ask you for, hey, is there some references you have or mm -hmm. are there some people I can speak to? Yeah, absolutely. And there there are things in, on the website and we're actually working on videos. There are people have gone through deliverance who said, sure, but go ahead and video this and, and feel free to share it. So we're working on getting some of those things put on the website. But yes, absolutely. All right, friend. Well, I appreciate your time, your passion, and your story because story makes the world go round. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. you. Have a, you're welcome. You have a great <laughs> day. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, 
For more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.